Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, my fellow Liberty lovers, wherever and whenever you're tuning in from. I'm Amber S., bringing you a vision of what living a life of freedom can look like physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and in everyday life. This show is brought to you by Living with Freedom Ministries, an unincorporated private church and ministry where I help people discover and fulfill their God-given purpose, specifically through the creation of their own private ministry. And if you want some more information about that, please visit go.livingwithfreedom.org backslash PMA. Today, we're going to rearrange the show a little bit uh, to kind of split up the word of the day and the holiday of the day, because there's so much I want to share about each of them, particularly in regard to what we've been talking about with the First Continental Congress as well as what I've been digging into in my own spiritual journey. Um, I may or may not have shared previously that I've been reading through the Bible from cover to cover for the first time. And yes, some people may think that as a 34-year-old who's been a Christian um, majority of her life that I you know, would have read it by now. And I totally agree and understand it's one of those things where I have been feeling really convicted as of late and for several years, but particularly lately, um, that a lot of our churches as we know it today are not really focusing on the full scope of what scripture says, what God's word says in context in its entirety. And rather, or, or I should say, and instead kind of nitpicking out verses to fit an agenda, to fit a narrative, to fit a story for the sermon. Um, Over the last year and a half, I've really been on this journey to rediscover what church is really supposed to be, what Ecclesia, the first century church, was supposed to look like, and how we got so far from, from that to where we are today with these mega churches and, you know, all of these things. I mean, I will admit, I'll be the first to admit, I absolutely bought into the prosperity gospel. And in some ways, I do still believe in it to a certain extent because of what I'm reading in scripture. But long story short, I realized that I needed to stop taking other people's word for what God says and what God commands and what, you know, God wants for our lives. And I needed to know for myself what the Bible says. And there's also a lot of discussion back and forth about different versions of the Bible. 
and, you know, different interpretations being more skewed than others, et cetera, et cetera. And through my research and discovery, I do find that there is a lot of truth to those quote unquote conspiracies about how the different denominations or not the different denominations, how the different versions of the Bible came about and how they were translated and interpreted. So one of my goals after reading it through just with a basic English version, I will admit as much as I love reading and English and all these things, old English, like King James style English, Shakespeare style English, I suck at reading as an older adult who has done more reading on the founding fathers and older writings like that i i do better i will openly admit that old english is not my forte <laughs> um so i wanted to just get a super basic understanding of the bible cover to cover um so i use you know, a paper Bible as well as a Bible app where I can sort of um, go back and forth between different versions to get a better idea of the scope of what is meant or what is intended. And the reason I know this is true is even today, we know that how we use our language, and this is, you guys know, anyone who's been on the show for a while, you know that I'm a believer in the fact that we have shifted how we use certain language to move away from the original intention. I mean, most of us who are millennials and older, I should say older millennials and older, remember that a certain three-letter word used to just mean happy, and now it is used to mean a certain um, relational interest, (laughs) gender-based relational interest, okay? Okay. So we know, we have seen firsthand how language has shifted. I don't like the word evolved. I don't like the word, um, oh, there was another word. But anyways, I don't like how language has been shifted in a lot of ways. So I like to compare certain key verses in different uh, translations to make sure that I'm getting a good handle on what it probably meant. So anyways, that's going to be part of our show today. We're going to talk a lot about spiritual freedom and what all that encompasses. That's going to be a little bit later in the show, um, but that's why we're sort of splitting up the word of the day as well as the holiday of the day. Uh, Talking about the word of the day, I know that last week, on last week's show, we had a doozy for our Black's Law Dictionary word of the day. Because I shared not one, not two, but six words and their definitions. And I also invited you to do a little homework on a few other terms that we didn't cover that seemed to be additional synonyms. And for you new listeners, definitely go back and check out last week's show. But as a recap on the word of the day section, I shared about the different terms for where you rest your head at night. And the terms that I shared were abode, home, house, domicile, uh, reside, and residence. One of the words that I recommended looking up for homework is the word dwelling as well. 
So this week, I'm going to take it easy on y'all, especially if you don't have a copy of Black's Law Dictionary for yourself. And here's a helpful hint. You can spend nearly $200 on Amazon or these other law um, resource websites to get a paper copy of Black's Law Dictionary. And while that is totally on my personal bucket list, because I realize online things can be erased so incredibly easily, you can get a free PDF of Black's Law Dictionary online. Really, all you have to do is search Black's Law Dictionary and start going through the different links. There are free versions out there, and you can find multiple editions of Black's Law Dictionary for free online. And that's something that you might be of interest or that might be of interest for you too is to sort of compare and contrast the different editions. I know that sounds really nerdy, but in a time where words need to have such specific meaning and we need to have power and control over the words that we use, this is a really, really solid investment of your time. And that's why every week I share a word of the week. Without further ado, today's word of the week is abolish. And this is actually a very timely word of the day, considering the fact that we are discussing the First Continental Congress. So in addition to the word of the day, we'll also be focusing on this concept a bit more as we discuss that First Continental Congress and everything that they were going through and talking about in that month and a half, or almost two months that they were meeting. I also bring this word up because it's important to know what the founders and framers were advocating for in the colonies. This is something that mainstream does not want us to know today. And when I say mainstream, I mean mainstream government, I mean mainstream media, and I mean mainstream education. These are things they do not want us to know today. So Black's Law Dictionary defines abolish as to do away with wholly, not at, not wholly as an H-O-L-Y, it's W-H-O-L-L-Y. So to do away with wholly, to annul, to repeal, to rescind, to abrogate, to dispense with, put an end to. And then they quote some case law. It also says import absolute destruction having its root in the Latin word abolere. I'm not well-versed on Latin, so forgive me if I don't pronounce it right, meaning to destroy utterly. It applies particularly to things of a permanent nature, such as institutions, usages, customs, like the abolition of slavery. Slavery. I just made a B out of a V. That was weird. Um, I went on in the dictionary to also look at the next two words, which is abolishment and abolition. It was interesting to see that the word um, abolishment, all it said was see abolish. So for abolishment, just insert the act of. So the act of doing away with, the act of annulling, the act of repealing, etc., And then I looked at the word abolition. The destruction, annihilation, abrogation, or extinguishment of anything. 
so this becomes more of a verb. The the act, um, you know, the destruction, the the actual um, destroying or doing away with. It says see abolish, and then it also says in civil French and German law, abolition is used nearly synonymously with pardon, remission, and grace. So I thought that was kind of interesting. But the main focus of the day is abolish. And why am I focusing on abolish when we're still back talking about the American Revolution before our country was really even founded? The reason I share this word of the day is that as we explore the happenings before and during the First Continental Congress, we must learn the true history of our founding and framing not just the bits of history that they want us to know. Uh, let's see. Yeah, not just, the, not just the version of history that they want us to know. That version is a biased and tainted history, which erases these heroes from our past and removes their legacy from our present and future. And for me, legacy is huge. When we know our history, then we're not bound to make those same mistakes. And unfortunately, we are seeing history literally repeat itself with this CRT nonsense. Um, In fact, yesterday on TV, I wasn't even, I didn't even have the TV on for myself because I don't tend to watch TV. But there was a commercial on and it was advocating for CRT. And as a mom of a mixed child, I am so disgusted and appalled that any person of color thinks that CRT is okay. If you looked at its history, if you knew its foundations and the omissions of true history, true with a capital T, true history, you would recognize that CRT and any of the other synonyms for its other names is nothing short of perpetuating more segregation, more racism. And it also perpetuates reverse racism. If you're not familiar with that term, it's a term that I, I even learned in mainstream college or reverse discrimination. Um, It's where the majority becomes discriminated against. And it's not just theory. They're actually pushing for reverse discrimination or reverse racism. Yeah. (laughs) I'll just leave it at that. It's, It's very disgusting and it's very, very frustrating. One of the things I wanted to share about our founding and framing, um, particularly in the discussion of the First Continental Congress, is that most people didn't or don't know that prior to Abraham Lincoln, there were founding fathers and people in history that were staunchly against slavery. For instance, Virginia had established statutes intended to limit the slave trade. The reason that it didn't work out was not because of the people, was not because of the leaders in the colonies. It was because of the king of England. He had vetoed these laws. 
And why? Why would he veto them? He saw that these limits on slave trade would encroach on profits that members of the royal court would gain by the slave trade. So literally, members of the royal court that the king worked with profited from the slave trade. So this was not a um, decision from the colonies. It was a selfish and greedy decision from England to keep slavery going. I want you to remember that. The king's veto, not the founders and framers, is what stopped early abolition of slavery in Virginia. So I want you to know that many of the founding fathers, they were not for slavery. They actually tried to get rid of it, but the king vetoed it. The king and the royal court stopped it early on. Otherwise, imagine where we could be now if they hadn't gotten in the way. We also need to briefly discuss the martyrdom of Crispus Attucks in March of 1770, which was before the First Continental Congress. Now, in previous episodes, you may have heard me mention Crispus Attucks being the first martyr um, at the Boston Massacre. And the reason I bring him up again is to bring up the timeline. 1770 was before the American Revolution really started. It was before our Declaration of Independence. We were still under Britain's thumb, under their rule. So Crispus Attucks was the first man to give his life for our liberty at the Boston Massacre. He was the first real martyr of the American Revolution during the Boston Massacre. He was a free black man. He escaped slavery. And because of that, he had to go by the name Michael Johnson at the time. History now knows his real name was Crispus Attucks, though. One of the resources that I'll share a bit more on later is the Crispus Attucks Museum. There you can find more information on him, but I just picked out a few tidbits. First and foremost, he was a very successful person. Not only did he escape slavery at age roughly 27, uh, but thanks to his height, being 6'2", he was a great whaler. He also moved up in kind of in the ranks on the, not in the military, but as, as a merchant. Um, and something that I found really interesting was in 1770, in March of 1770, in response to a young man being harmed by a British, British soldier, he gathered, he as in Crispus Attucks, gathered several sailors together to confront the British soldiers for harming this young man and ended up giving his life. What I found most interesting about this is that estimates say that over 10,000 people gathered to honor him at his funeral. And there's even a monument honoring him, too. Um, you can get more information about that as well at the Crispus Attucks Museum. Um, 
There was even a poem written about him. It says, it's titled Crispus Attucks, 1723 to 1770. And to honor Crispus Attucks, who was the leader and voice that day, the first to defy and the first to die with Maverick, Carr, and Gray. Call it riot or revolution or mob or crowd as you may. Such deaths have been seeds of nations. Such lives have been, have been <laughs> let me rewind, such lives shall be honored for a, for a or, or forever. It says for A. And that's it. He really is a grandfather of revolution. Had he not, like, who knows what the trajectory of our history could have been. I mean, the significance of one man, for instance, James Otis Jr. Each of these men played their small part. Without them, who knows where things could have gone. Um Something else that I found really fascinating was that Christus Attucks was buried as a hero in the same cemetery as John Hancock, Samuel Adams, Robert Treat Payne, Paul Revere, and James Otis. That's big, you guys. I don't remember the name of the the cemetery, but um, to be buried alongside these other names, whew. Um, that's big. And if there's some names that I just mentioned that you're not familiar with, um, or don't know their histories, and I should say true histories, because sometimes we do learn, like, the ride of Paul Revere, and it, it wasn't just Paul Revere. There were others with him. Um, but if you don't know their true histories, I highly, highly suggest going to Chris Ann Hall's Liberty First Society and taking the full range of courses there because these men are several of our many founders and framers. They are true American heroes. And if you want to know more specifically about our black history, like Crispus Attucks, just to name one, um, at Chris N. Hall's Liberty First Society. And no, I am not affiliate. They don't even have an affiliate program, at least that I'm aware of. So I'm just sharing a resource that I have found that I absolutely love. Um, You do have to subscribe or sign up for the courses, but it's like, you guys, 20 bucks a month or something. And technically you could download all the audios or, you know, all the courses and then unsubscribe. I've maintained a subscription to their course for, gosh, three years now, maybe four, because they're always adding new content. so highly recommend it. Really amazing resource. Um, as I was mentioning, if you want to know more specifically about our black history and the true black history of America, check out their course series in the catalog called Patriots of Color. Really, really solid. I've only gotten a part part of the way through it. And it's so empowering. I can't wait till my son gets a little bit older to start really sharing with him. Um, we're going to cut to a commercial, and then I want to share a little bit more about the founders of the specifically at the First Continental Congress. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever and whenever you're tuning in from, my fellow Liberty lovers. 
This is Amber S. from Living with Freedom Ministries reminding you to tune in on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Central, noon Pacific time for the Living with Freedom show where we'll embrace what living with freedom can look like physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and in everyday life. That's 2 p.m. Central, noon Pacific here on Freedomizer Radio. Looking for something different? Looking for something fun? Join Dan every Monday on the Freedomizer Network, 9 to 10.30 Pacific, noon to 1.30 Eastern, for Common Sense with the educated redneck, Dan Ellison. The show about everything and nothing at all. We talk a lot about the kingdom here, and we talk a lot about what most churches are afraid to talk about or don't even know to talk about, which is what the first century church was really doing. But just talking about it is not enough. We encourage everybody to join us uh, in their local neighborhoods, in their local communities, to find out more about what they can do to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness gather with others who are already starting this road or starting to turn around and do things differently. Join us on thelivingnetwork.org or at hisholychurch.org. Go to the network links or go to preparingyou.com. Join the network there. It's all the same. And we'll try to hook you up with people in your local area. They will not be perfect. They don't walk on water. They are not necessarily saints. But they are talking about seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And join us on Facebook. Facebook.com, His Holy Church, all one word. Join us there. We'll give you updates so you can start doing some studying and thinking about these things and start looking into these things for yourselves. But it's just not enough to sit and listen or to talk about or to say. You must become a doer of the word. Please check out the Barefoot is Legal radio show right here on Saturdays, 1.30 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern Time, that is 10.30 a.m. to noon Pacific Time, as we show you all about your barefoot rights and living a barefoot lifestyle. And for more information about the 501c3 nonprofit Barefoot is Legal, please check out barefootislegal.org. Please check out the Proof Negative radio show, Monday through Thursday, 9 p.m. to midnight Eastern, that is 6 to 9 p.m. on the Pacific Coast, with excellent co-host, outstanding guests, and lots of great conversation. We can even take your calls. The number is 319-527-6208, and just press lucky number one, and you will be on the Proof Negative radio show. When it comes to taking back your rights, don't leave the biggest part in the hands of someone who isn't even going to fight for you and your rights. 
How to Win in Court Without a Lawyer does just that. Dr. Graves teaches you what he's learned over his many years as a lawyer so that you too can protect and defend yourself or your rights yourself. To get access to the course, visit howtowinincourt.com question mark refer code equals SH0024. SH0024. All right, and we are back. So in the first segment, we talked about the word of the day, which is abolish. We also talked about how the abolition of slavery did not wait until Abraham Lincoln to happen, or to start, I should say. Our founding fathers and framers, many of them saw how bad having slaves was, how bad slavery was as a whole. We also talked about Crispus Attucks and everything he gave as part of the American Revolution to move toward regaining and restoring our God-given rights and liberties. He is a true American hero that we should know. Like He should be a household name right up there with George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Martin Luther King Jr. His name should be in every history book and his picture should be up on every wall of of every library or, you know, I mean like on the walls of history. Because <laughs> I realize not everyone puts up pictures of, of people from history in their homes. <laughs> um, in the second segment, we are largely going to talk about the First Continental Congress, as well as some clips from our founding document, our, Declar- our Declaration of Independence, our Bill of Rights, to really see that our founding fathers, no, they did not want to perpetuate slavery. They actually wanted to move us away from it. But they could only do so much being who they were. They were up against the king. They were up against minions of the king and people who who were very, we'll just say very bad. <laughs> But those who were men of integrity absolutely were against it. And our, our, our main example for this, for this segment is John Adams. During the first week of the First Continental Congress, something that they were doing, and I, I know I've mentioned part of this previously, is they wanted to figure out how representation would work because they were delegates from each of their respective states. And if they went more democratic style, everything would be based on populace, on population and property. That means larger states like, I don't know, Philadelphia, Massachusetts, Virginia, Georgia at the time, would have gotten a lot 
more leverage and a lot more um, voting power than Rhode Island and the Providence Plantation. So they they went back and forth, you know, trying to figure out how they could make this fair and just and, and correct. And John Adams, he was staunchly against having slaves count for representation. Because, yes, even though it was legal everywhere except for the Providence Plantations, he didn't want to, and this is a direct quote from a book that I will quote, <laughs> he didn't want to encourage slavery by rewarding colonies with large slave populations. And that quote comes from the story of the First Continental Congress book. Um, and it's in Chapter 3, the week of September 5th through 11th. You see, many of our founders and framers, and you can look this up. I don't have direct original source content right now to cite. I have heard and read this many places. So check me on this one. Cross-check this and verify that this is true. But people like George Washington and Tom Jefferson, um, I'm trying to think of specific names, but there were some founders and framers that inherited slaves and through their lifetimes tried to free their slaves. But for instance, as I mentioned before, and I will actually reread it just for anyone tuning in now. In Virginia, where Thomas Jefferson resided, Virginia had tried to establish statutes that limited the slave trade. They wanted to try to get rid of it. But the reason it didn't work wasn't because of the people there. It was because of the king had vetoed those laws. And he vetoed them not because he believed in slavery, no, he he saw that it was profitable to people in the to members of the royal court. So part of his the king's royal court, they were benefiting, they were profiting from the slave trade because of that profit, he vetoed the laws limiting slave trade. So when people like Thomas Jefferson and George Washington, when people like who lived in Virginia died, they were not allowed to free their slaves when they died, like some states allowed. What they did do, though, while they were alive, was they paid their slaves. They paid them a wage as best they could, and there were founding fathers who remained in debt their entire lives because they wanted to make sure that they continued to pay their slaves. Because they believe that those people deserved a livelihood. And even if in their lifetime they could not change the fact that they were enslaved, these founders and framers did what they could to set them, them as in the slaves, up for a future. In hopes that they would get to see it. They did the best they could with what they had. And I highly encourage every one of us to always do the best we can with what we have. And from minute to minute, whether it's, you know, the the most energy we have in a moment as a parent, 
um, whether it's the best we can do with our finances at the moment, I highly encourage us to always do your best, whatever that looks like in each moment. And it doesn't mean burning yourself out. It means recognizing what limitations we have, choosing rest if we need to rest so that we can keep pushing forward, and then when we do have the energy to actually push forward on whatever it is that God directs for us to push forward with. (laughs) So going back to John Adams, they went back and forth, and they finally decided if, if no other reason than the fact that they could not prove representation while they were all sitting there at the First Continental Congress, who had what population in their colonies, they decided that equal representation was not the best. And that is why we don't have a democracy, you guys. We do not have a democracy. What we have instead is we have a constitutional republic. And what that means is that each state gets singular representation. means one vote per state. They chose that because Rhode Island, for instance, would never, ever, ever have their voice heard if it was based on population. And for no other reason than they couldn't prove population at the time, they chose to go with one vote per colony, one vote per state as precedent for how our states should be voting in the future. This was the thing that our founders did that, um, how should I word it? (laughs) This was the best thing our founders and framers could have done at the time to make a step toward abolishing slavery. It was within their, their purview, their parameters that they could do to make that giant leap forward. So something else that I want to read is first the Declaration of Independence. Oh, and then, hmm, well, I guess the link I clicked on (laughs) only, thankfully, it gives me the excerpt of the exact part that I wanted to read, which is the preamble to the Declaration. The preamble says, in, in part, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Thomas Jefferson and the founders and framers who signed that declaration, they didn't say that all white men were created equal. They didn't say all free men created equal. They said all men. And and by men, they mean people, mankind. I hope you realize that. They were not trying to be sexist when they said all men are created equal. Because when they were talking about man or men in that general sense, they were actually talking about humans, mankind, not men as in the male gender. So they were talking about all people are created equal. 
And at the time, they believed that that these truths listed there should be self-evident. That means they should be common sense. If that's no clear indication that our founders and framers believed that slavery was wrong, I don't know what else to say to prove it. I mean, I feel like that's pretty pretty clear in and of itself. <laughs> I also wanted to do a couple clips from the Bill of Rights. Um, I wanted to specifically oh, where did it go? Hang on a second. I'm finding the specific amendment that I wanted to read for you guys. Um, no, not that one. Oh, my goodness. As you guys have to suffer through listening to traffic as I'm finding the one I wanted to find. Okay. It's the first and the ninth amendment. Um the tenth as well. I'll just I'll just throw that one in. So in the Bill of Rights, the First Amendment, most of us are quite familiar with the first one, so I'll just breeze through that one. The First Amendment is as follows. Let's see. Oh, this is just a copy of it. Oh, I was so not prepared for today. Well, anyways, the summary says the First Amendment provides several rights to protections to express ideas through speech and the press, to assemble or gather with a group to protest for or for other reasons, um, to ask the government to fix problems. That's basically the, you know, right to um, petition for a redress. It also protects the rights to religious beliefs and practices and prevents the government from creating or favoring a religion. I'm really disappointed that I found a link that just summarized it instead of reading it verbatim. But anyways, for the sake of time, moving on to the Ninth Amendment. It says the Ninth Amendment states that the that listing specific rights in the Constitution does not mean that people do not have other rights that have not been spelled out. So the Ninth Amendment acknowledges that we as humans have our God-given natural rights, that we retain them, that they are ours, and that the Bill of Rights is only listing some as examples. Unfortunately, that's not what we're taught anymore in schools. We're practically taught that the rights listed in the Bill of Rights and in our Constitution are more like privileges, and especially since 2020. They treated our rights like garbage, you guys. They treated our rights as privileges that can be taken away. Like the parent that takes away the kid's tablet being grounded, you know. That's not how our rights and liberties work. Our rights are unalienable. They cannot be removed. They must not be removed. But without knowing what our rights are, 
we cannot possibly defend them. And if we can't defend them, they can be taken so easily. Which is why I, every episode, pretty much, I always recommend the How to Win in Court course. Because not only do we need to know what our rights are, we need to know the skills and the tools and the resources and the knowledge to defend those rights. Because they will not protect them for us, they as in the government. The government will not protect our rights for us. We know that. We've seen that through 2020. Um, The last amendment that I want to share, the Tenth Amendment, says that the federal government only has those powers delegated in the Constitution. If it isn't listed, it belongs to the states or to the people. Again, we have it so backwards in our modern understanding of government and the hierarchy of law. People don't realize today that the hierarchy of law, the true hierarchy, puts God at the very top. And then we the people, and then from we the people, it goes to our state constitution. And then it goes to the U.S. Constitution. And then it goes to all of the statutes and the regulations and the three- and four-letter organizations that we hate so well. (laughs) And people also don't realize that our founders and framers were very um, adamant about protecting our rights and liberties against unjust, unconstitutional laws. James James Wilson, um, just a few years after the First Continental Congress, in 1787, when they were um, at the ratifying convention for the Constitution, he said, the power of the Constitution predominates. Anything, therefore, that shall be enacted by Congress or any of its delegated three- and four-letter organizations... Anything, therefore, that shall be enacted by Congress contrary to or contrary thereto will not have the force of law. What James Wilson was saying, that the constitutions, our state and our U.S. constitutions predominate. They are the law of the land. They're supreme in that all other laws must abide by the constitutions. If they don't, then we look at Marbury versus Madison which says that any law repugnant to the Constitution is void. These things are important to know, and it's important to be able to quote these founders and framers. That's really the important thing, is to not only know what's right, but to know what backs it up. And the reason I bring that up is it's so vital, you guys. It's so important to be able to back up what we say. Because we know that the enemy fights unfairly. So whether it's a spiritual battle and we need to know our scriptures or it's, you know, an in-person battle where we are fighting adamantly for our rights, 
we need to know what to quote and what to cite to stand on those freedoms and liberties, not privileges. All right, we're going to do a quick early commercial break. Then when we come back, we will move on to the third segment, which we will talk about, which is um, the national holiday of the day. I'm saving this one for last because, yes, this was a very serious show in terms of, you know, our rights and our liberties. But I'm hoping that the seriousness is conveyed as passion. Passion because we actually have so much more backing us and backing our rights and our liberties and our freedoms than we really know. And that's why it's so fascinating to me to study our history and to study law because sometimes it feels so helpless knowing that Big Brother (laughs) is acting like a Big Brother, like a bully. And the reason they get away with it is because we don't know. We don't know these things anymore. And yes, I'm generalizing. I know most of you listeners are liberty lovers. And you probably do know a lot of these things. And maybe more than I do on some of it. But the important thing is that we continue to share this knowledge, to grow this knowledge, and to remind them in government that we know. And they should, too. All right. Here's the commercial break. Be sure to, um, you know, grab a warm drink if you're in the Midwest because it's a little chilly today. And cozy on in for our third and final segment. Hello, Freedomizers. I am Broccoli Man. When I am not fighting crime, I listen to the Proof Negative radio show. I am the Wire Ripper. Not only do I forbid you to listen to Freedomizer radio and the Proof Negative radio show, I am going to demand you wear a mask and get your naked body scan. We need to protect the One World Government. You getting the real information hurts a crime syndicate. Do not listen to Proof Negative. You must now disrobe this instant so I can check your person for a constitutional cash money. Anyway, listen to Proof Negative on Freedomizer Radio. Weeknights 9 p.m. to midnight Eastern. 6 to 9 p.m. Pacific Time. Freedomizerradio.com Please check out the Barefoot is Legal radio show right here on Saturdays, 1.30 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern Time, that is 10.30 a.m. to noon Pacific Time, as we show you all about your barefoot rights and living a barefoot lifestyle. And for more information about the 501c3 nonprofit Barefoot is Legal, please check out barefootislegal.org. We talk a lot about the kingdom here, and we talk a lot about what most churches are afraid to talk about or don't even know to talk about, which is what the first century church was really doing. But just talking about it is not enough. We encourage everybody to join us uh, in their local neighborhoods, in their local communities, to find out more about what they can do to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness gather with others who are already starting this road or starting to turn around and do things differently. Join us on thelivingnetwork.org 
or at hisholychurch.org. Go to the network links or go to preparingyou.com. Join the network there. It's all the same. And we'll try to hook you up with people in your local area. They will not be perfect. They don't walk on water. They are not necessarily saints. But they are talking about seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And join us on Facebook. Facebook.com, His Holy Church, all one word. Join us there. We'll give you updates so you can start doing some studying and thinking about these things and start looking into these things for yourselves. But it's just not enough to sit and listen or to talk about or to say. You must become a doer of the word. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever and whenever you're tuning in from, my fellow Liberty Lovers. This is Amber S. from Living with Freedom Ministries, reminding you to tune in on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Central, noon Pacific Time, for the Living with Freedom Show, where we'll embrace what living with freedom can look like physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and in everyday life. That's 2 p.m. Central, noon Pacific, here on Freedomizer Radio. And if you're wanting to take back your rights and your liberties in a big way and you want to know a good first step, I highly, highly recommend checking out my presentation, my PMA intro. PMA, again, stands for Private Member Association. And what I do through my ministry, Living with Freedom Ministries and and Church, is help help provide the education and the resources to take back your life, to take back your ministry in serving your family, your community. And one of the ways we can do that is establishing these unincorporated private associations. We stay in the private domain where it's not, you know, not their jurisdiction in the public domain to have a say in what we're doing or how we're doing it. Um, yeah, so if you want some more information on that, want some information on how we can get on a consultation to see if a PMA is a good fit for you, please visit go.livingwithfreedom.org backslash PMA. All right, and on to our final and third segment of the day. I wanted to share a couple things because our holiday of the day, there were quite a few options to choose from. So I'm just kind of settling on two main things. The first one is more of a this day in history, not a holiday. And this one's going to go pretty quick. On this day in 1960, um, John F. Kennedy and Richard Nixon, um, it says on com that they square off in the first televised presidential debate. The reason I thought this was noteworthy for today is I'm constantly making mention that a lot of people who are, who claim to be Democrats today believe that they're Kennedy era Democrats, not the Democrats of today. And there's a really important distinction to be made there between the Kennedy era um, Democrats and the Democrats of today. People on both sides of the aisle today 
would probably be very much in agreement with Kennedy-era Democrats and, and everything that he did and he stood for. Not everything, because I, I don't necessarily believe everything he did or stood for was constitutional. But do I think he probably did the best he could with what he had? With my limited knowledge on Kennedy, yeah, I think he probably was doing the best he could with what he had. And I think it's good to remind people, especially if you have family members or friends that you have a positive relationship with, who you can actually talk about politics a little bit with in, you know, an open communication in a loving, in a loving way. And let them know that, um, you know, the Democrat Party that they grew up knowing is not what exists today. And this is where we can utilize a marketing technique. And I say technique because it can be misused. But this is where a marketing technique called feel, felt, found can be really helpful because it's a a tool to create connection. As an example, using this specific thing, um, we could say something like, you know, I understand how you feel about wanting things the way, you know, John F. Kennedy wanted them and fighting for those things. I used to feel the same way or I felt the same way. I wanted X, Y, Z. And then I found, and then fill in the blank. So you could share that you found that the party leaders of today don't even stand for those things. And use some examples. Do a little research on stuff that Kennedy was for that the Democrat Party of today is, is not for. Or is might be for, but way to an extreme where it's no longer a good thing. Um So do a little homework, especially if they do admire and look up to Kennedy. This is a great conversation starter because we're we're connecting with someone who actually had pretty good American values, like freedom-loving values. And we're connecting with that sense of hope, believe then. And then we're also creating the separation of that Versus what's really happening in that arena now. So we can then open the door to, okay, if things are no longer the way they should be over in the Democratic Party, then then what? Right? Then what? So we're, we're meeting people where they're at. We're taking them on this journey from what they know to what really they should know. But we're doing it with connection, with love and compassion for them and their feelings and what they know and understand to be true. And unfortunately, because of these mainstream media outlets, what people know to be true is not truth with a capital T. It's what's been fed to them. But we can't start the conversation out with that. It's, it's like it's pushing them in the deep end when they're only ready for the shallow end. And I know some people grew up with parents who basically forced them to learn how to swim by pushing them in the deep end. Now, looking back, like, it may have been effective. It may have worked. 
but was it the best way to go about doing something? We think about this like best practices versus good practices. Yes, something worked, so it might be good practice. But is it the best practice? Is it really the wisest to throw your kid into the deep end of the pool or in above their head in the lake and make them learn how to swim? Because you know what? That can create a fear of water, a fear of ever wanting to learn how to swim instead of doing it with them. Same thing with riding a bike. Yeah, you could just push them down a hill and keep doing it until they learn how to balance with some broken legs and, you know, a lot of scraped knees and band-aids in the, in the process. Or you could set them out with training wheels and then move up to hold, you know, moving up the training wheels so they have to bounce a little bit more or hang on to the back of their seat so that they can, you know, slowly ride and learn balance on their own and then follow them closely behind and then finally they ride by themselves. Just because people are adults doesn't mean we need to treat them like crap. (laughs) That's really what it comes to. And unfortunately, far too many, especially on on the Republican side, I see far too many treating people like crap because they expect that people should know better as adults. And while, yes, ethically, they probably should know better, When you don't know what you don't know, you don't know what you're missing. And so trying to blame someone for not knowing something that they had no idea about is just as bad as as being ignorant, you know, being closed-minded, but in the other way. So we need to meet misunderstanding with love and compassion and taking them on a journey together, not just shoving them in the deep end or saying, oh, you need to go this way and then not giving directions. (laughs) What Jesus did, and this is kind of my segue to, to the national day that I really want to focus on. What Jesus did was he met people where they were at. He didn't preach down to them like the Pharisees. I say I'll just leave it at that. I know I could side tangent a whole bunch, but for the sake of time, I I do want to touch on the holiday, the main holiday that I chose. So the main holiday of the day is called National Day of Praise and Worship. And out of all the holidays of the day, I chose this one specifically because of what I read in my Bible this morning. I didn't know National Day of, or today was National Day of Praise and Worship when I woke up this morning. Um, when I pray for the radio show, I, I kind of like to keep the National Day a little bit of a surprise so I don't overthink it. <laughs> so the reason that this is so significant to me is I was reading in Mark. That's where I'm at in the Bible right now. So what National Day of Praise and Worship is about is it's about really honoring praise and and worship music that's sung. Um, It kind of started in the 50s and 60s as a way to connect 
to the youth of the day. Especially so many churches that play hymns as these serious, solemn dirges. I don't, I didn't look up the statistic, but this is your homework for the day. <laughs> look up and see if you can find how many times in the Bible it references praising God, worshiping God, um, making a joyful noise. And there's literal songs, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands, serve the Lord with gladness, and come before his presence with singing. Singing, you guys, joy. We're not at a funeral. I apologize that the phone is within earshot. Worshiping and honoring and praising God is not meant to sound like a funeral, you guys. And so, sorry, I'm going to mute this for a second so I can get rid of that phone sound. All right, I think I got it taken care of. Uh, that's part of the beauty of, um, you know, having multiple projects within a ministry is, um, you know, juggling a lot of things at one time. And I do my best to keep things quiet on the air. So I appreciate your patience with me as we occasionally have a few little things like that. Um, I really try to minimize that for you guys. So anyways, what I was saying is that praising God is not meant to be this sad, serious occasion like we're at a funeral. I mean, even the song I'll Fly Away, people sing like like it's just this dirge. And it really makes me think that like, are you really a Christian if you're singing and worshiping God in this sad, serious way? Because from what I'm reading in the Bible... We should be, like, jumping for joy and dancing and singing like children, you know, without without reservation on what we look like to others. Yeah. So today I invite you, whether you sing a hymn or whether you sing a more contemporary Christian song, put on your favorite worship music and Make it a joyful noise. Make it joyful. The reason this is so important to me is, say, uh, this week I had something shared with me that really tested my faith, which is very timely considering that I'm reading you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John right now. In Mark, right this morning, I read Mark 16, chapter 16, verses 15 through 18. And this is right after Jesus, you know, died on the cross, spent his three days in the tomb, and rose again. So Jesus is telling his disciples, the 11, he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. 
They will pick up snakes. If they should drink anything deadly, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will get well. How many of you in the churches that you grew up in learned about this for people who believe in Jesus? I sure as heck know I didn't. Now, the church that we went to when I was born, which I, I don't even remember because we we moved shortly after I was born. But that church, yeah, taught about this stuff. Most churches, even if they do cover this verse, they cover it as if it was only for the disciples. And yet, if you actually read the verse in its entirety, that's not what it says. He's saying to the disciples that to preach the gospel and that those who believe, so basically the people who they were teaching, those people, if they believe, they will have these signs. Basically these, you know, um, gifts of the Spirit That is what they're called. They're gifts of the Spirit. I wish we were taught stuff like this growing up, but most of our churches, I, uh, being only 34, my experience with church is, yes, very limited. Even my experience, if I go out to my friend's circle, is very limited. I will acknowledge that and admit that. But what I've seen is that churches stop at the point of believing in Jesus and his death and resurrection. That's where it stops. And yet in the Bible, that's where it starts. The first step, not the last step, the first step for believers is to believe. How much are we doing Christians of today and kingdom citizens of today a disservice when we stop at repentance? And we don't teach this part. And we don't teach that we are meant to do what Jesus did and greater things because he went to the Father, John fourteen twenty two. Several months ago when I discovered that verse, it shook me to my core. Because at first I thought, I thought Jesus was saying that we're going to do more of the same things that he did you know, preaching and and evangelizing and all that stuff, um, because well, you know, he's di- he he died. He's he's going to heaven now, right? That's how I originally understood that first. And then when I read it again, it hit me. Jesus is giving us an example of what's possible in God's name, in His name. We can heal the sick. We can bring people back from the dead like Lazarus who was dead for four days like the girl who was sick in bed and he took her by the hand and she got up as if she had just been sleeping we can heal lepers we can bring people who have you know um, a crippled hand and heal them broken bones like Guys, the miracles that are possible if we believe with every, every fiber of our being is amazing. 
And the reason that this is so incredibly timely is a very good God-fearing and God-loving friend of mine brought to my attention this week this woman. Um, on Facebook, she goes by um, Lair Leitner. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. It's L-A-I-R-E, Leitner, like L-I-G-H-T, Leitner. And the reason that she was brought to my attention is that her son was in an accident and was fighting for his life. And at the hospital that the son was originally at, they gave only 24 hours and they were just going to randomly pull the plug saying that he was brain dead without taking him to, um, you know, some neuro expert. So first she was asking everyone to pray that her son gets transferred to a specialist who can actually take care of this kid. I mean, he's an adult, but I'm saying kid because he's younger than me. (laughs) Um, Who can actually look at what's going on with his neurology, you know, with his brain, and figure out what's going on. And she had faith that even though science and medicine was saying that he was brain dead, and that they should start making preparations that his, that her God, her son's God, our God, could bring him back. And that he would for those who believe. And not going to lie, you guys, that was an emotional video for me to watch because I had never had my faith challenged like that. Like, I literally watched my, my dad die of a heart attack. And did not realize the power that I I wielded or could have wielded, I should say. And then she kept having this faith for nine days. This faith that God would bring her son back. And long story short, while yes, the prayers were working, even though it didn't look like to mankind, there was there was revelation, there was confirmation from God that they kept the the tunnel of light, you know, that people see when they when they experience heaven and have those you know near death experiences or deaths and you know brought back to life experiences. There was confirmation that the prayers we were having kept that tunnel of light open. And that the son could have come back if he wanted. But because of man's will and free will, God gave him the choice. Jesus gave him the choice. And he chose to stay with Jesus in heaven. And that's, wow. When you realize, like, yeah, he could have and he was willing to bring the son back, even after several days. Um, I mean, he was literally sitting in the morgue. And that's really morbid to think about. But he was literally sitting in the morgue, considered dead by, by you know, modern medicine. And yet, there's confirmation that God was willing to let him come back, but he chose to stay in heaven. That is testament to the power that we have in Jesus' name, and 
why we're not teaching that kind of spirituality in our churches, I feel like it's nothing short of just control, control of the masses. Because if we had that kind of control, we would not have the death and dying and disease and war that we have today. We would be casting out these demons. We would be healing people. We would be resurrecting people. If it's their will to be resurrected, of course. (laughs) But man, this power is just so uplifting and so impressive that had I not started reading my Bible cover to cover, I never would have known. But God put it on my heart to start reading when I started reading a year and a half ago. Yes, it's taken me that long just to get this far because I will admit, you guys, getting through Old Testament, especially Genesis, the beginning of Genesis, and Numbers, there's several books in Old Testament that are very difficult to get through, even to get started in. When you read Genesis, you start reading it. The first the first chapter or so is, is good because it's about creation. But then when you get into who had how many kids and how old they lived and all that stuff, the generational stuff, it's really dry and it's really boring to try to focus through. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I mean, several times throughout my life, I've tried to start reading the Bible cover to cover and I just got so incredibly bored through that section or those sections that I I just gave up and I stopped. For some reason, this time I had the conviction to stick it through. And so it took me a long time because I wanted to read it mindfully and be present in what I was reading. So there were some days that I would read three verses and then catch myself tuning out or disconnecting or whatever. Some some days I could read a chapter. There were other days that I sat for an hour reading several chapters. I did what I could as I could, as I felt led to, and I let myself be at peace with that. And that's why it's so amazing, the timing of hearing this woman's story of faith to move mountains and bring back her son while I'm reading about you know those who believe having these gifts having these signs it's not a coincidence it is divinely inspired it is a divine synchronicity and if you haven't read through the Bible cover to cover for yourself I highly recommend doing it Um, not only is it empowering and encouraging but I feel like with the times as they are there's so many revelations that we get even without looking at the book of Revelation we have these awakenings and if even if you have read through the whole Bible if you've read the King James Version maybe go to the 1590 or 1599 whatever it is Geneva Version um or if you can get your hands on it, read 
um, one that's from the original Aramaic to English. Or read the entire Apocrypha and the Dead Sea Scrolls and like the Book of Mary Magdalene, all of those resources. Like, it, let's expand our knowledge. Let's look at what was even supposed to be in the Bible that didn't make it. Because there's a lot of books that we do know that were supposed to be part of it, but the the group of guys who you know put together the Bible thought it was like too redundant or whatever. I want to know what those things said for myself and use my own discernment. I don't want to have to take another human's words for it. Even if they say it was divinely inspired, like how can I take their word for it when people today are getting, you know, messages from God? That's not a thing just of old, you know, times long ago. We can still continue to receive guidance and direction from God in our everyday lives. And that's why I'm so passionate about teaching people to follow their God-given purpose. I even do a workshop um, I haven't recorded. I I should do that, actually. Um, But I have a workshop that I've done in person guiding people that if they don't feel like they know what their God-given purpose is, how to find it, how to connect with it. And some Christians might not like how I do it um, because there is some um, sense of, like, tuning inward, but it's more of a tuning upward. And to do that, we need to tune everything out. So it's, it's a form of tuning inward, yes, but it's so that we can shut the world out and focus on that channel we have between us and God. Um, so, yeah, what I think I will do by next week is get that workshop recorded. And anyone who wants access to that, please shoot me an email at livingwithfreedom.com at protonmail.com. Otherwise, next week, and in fact, I'm going to make myself a note so I don't forget. (laughs) Record workshop. (laughs) Um, What I'll do for next week, if I'm able to record it in time, and I think I will be able to, um, because I have the presentation all, all set up, is I will have a link for you guys for next week. But if you want access to that as soon as I get it uploaded, please shoot me an email. Again, my email is livingwithfreedom at protonmail.com. That's proton as in like electrons and protons, P-R-O-T-O-N, mail.com. And what I want you to put in the subject line is Um, purpose workshop. So if you put in the subject line, purpose workshop, God-given purpose workshop, I will know that, you know, that's what you're looking for. Um, If you're also looking at digging into PMAs, but you want to talk about your purpose first, you can also go to that link I gave gave before, go.livingwithfreedom.com org backslash PMA. Visit that link and go through the PMA intro and the PMA webinar. The intro is only 10 minutes and the webinar is only 25 minutes. And then you're going to get the option 
to schedule a consult with me. <clears throat> and go ahead and do that. And when you do, it's going to give you a couple questions to answer in the question section. Be sure to mention um, wanting like the PMA workshop or wanting to talk about your purpose or your God-given purpose. And we can go through that together. Because I want to make sure that this is personalized. Sometimes these things um, I can do as a guided group session, um, kind of talking you through the steps. But sometimes it's easier just to do it one-on-one or even just have the recording so you can just pause right there and do each step in your own time. Some people it takes one minute. Sometimes people it takes 10 minutes to do a question. I don't want it to take a long time. We could do it in a very short time, but I want to make sure that you guys have that option because as we're talking about fulfilling our God-given purpose and being in alignment with that purpose, using our rights and our liberties to fulfill that purpose, it's good to obviously first and foremost know what that purpose is. If we don't, you know, we're going to be so off track. My dad used to say this joke, you know, if there's a fork in the road, take it. (laughs) And as funny as it was, it did kind of bring consciousness to the fact that, you know, we do have choices. We do have, um, you know, these options. But we need to be making choices that will bring us closer to fulfilling that God-given purpose. Because I don't know about you, but if you've ever kind of had that inner knowing that you should or should not do something and then you do the opposite, life gets harder, doesn't it? (laughs) Or life ends up taking really random twists and turns. That's kind of your confirmation that you might not have gone the right direction. And sometimes it was the right direction, but you needed to go down that path to, to learn something specific. But sometimes it is because we should have gone a different way that would have been a little bit easier. So we're going to wrap up today. We've got a couple minutes left. I want you guys to know that as we continue to talk about this, I'm going to continue to circle it back around. No, no joking intended. I'm going to continue circling this back around to the idea of fulfilling your God-given purpose, living with freedom, having your own private ministry. Because when you are in alignment with your God-given purpose and you are serving others according to that purpose, that is your personal private ministry. So I want to make sure that, you know, everything we do kind of circles around that core central concept and that we do it in a way that's unobstructed. We don't have to answer to the government. We answer to God. And we get our direction from God. We do not get our direction from man. And especially not from government. Um, As a recap, today we talked about the word abolish. We also talked about how our founders and framers were much more in favor of abolishing slavery than what we were taught in school. Um, We were also taught about one of our really important martyrs of the American Revolution, Crispus Attucks. We also talked about how John Adams was one example of a founding father who was staunchly against 
perpetuating slavery for representation, for population. And next week, we will continue on the same journey. We will probably touch a little bit more on the happenings of the First Continental Congress. Um, I need to go back into my, my notes in my plan and see what we have scheduled in addition to that. But know that everything we do is revolving around, you know, giving you a vision of what living a life of freedom can look like um, in all aspects of life and in all four of our bodies. If you haven't heard that verbiage, our four bodies are our physical body, mental body, emotional body, and spiritual body. And without, let's see, and without knowing that, you know, we can't really live a life of freedom. We need freedom in all those areas. So I hope you guys have a beautiful day, and we will see you next week. Oh, and then I had a glitch. Here we go. Have a great day, guys. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.